I've seen a lot of change, been through a lot of pain. Some things are not the same as they were a year ago. But all will be okay. I move on each and every day. The past is where it stays. Way back a year ago. Rene Dienden came to Canada from Switzerland in the 1950s and went to work in a dairy farm in Alberta. Inspired by the 1953 Daily Mail news expedition to find the Yeti, a bombable snowman, in Nepal, Rene opined that it would, indeed, be something to be part of such an expedition. It was at this point that a co-worker confided that he didn't have to go halfway around the world to find those creatures. There were lots of them just over the mountains in BC. The rest, as they say, is history. René Dienden came to BC in search of the Sasquatch. He was probably Canada's only full-time Sasquatch hunter, back in those days. From the late 50s onward it became his sole goal to seek out the Sasquatch and bring one into the scientific light. Up and down the PNW he investigated sightings and made casts. Into the 60s and 70s and 80s it was, René Dienden's accented voice which was the loudest at meeting halls, auditoriums, and symposiums. Wherever researchers were seen to gather, Dienden could be counted upon to turn up and be brash and opinionated. He could not suffer those that he considered to be foolish people. From many accounts, the passing years without results weighed heavily upon René Dienden's shoulders. And the elusive ape creature tasked him at every turn. Friendships were fleeting in the wake of his, now souring, disposition. For all of his time and effort, he owned a share of the world's only Sasquatch film, but never managed to catch a glimpse of the critter. Even so, he never for a moment allowed his faith in the creature to falter. I will keep on searching till I find the damn thing, he told CBC Television in 1976. Dandin had taken the mystery of the Sasquatch to a world-class level. Turing and knocking on the doors of all who might listen. But through his best efforts, the scientific community remained unmoved. His foray into the world of Sasquatch had left him a sad and bitter person. Often this is the outcome with obsessions. With a long broken family and now earning barley enough to keep his hopes for his quest alive, every penny he earned went straight to his search. He carefully followed up every sighting and found witness reports dating back 200 years. He died in 2001, after almost half a century of following ridgelines, mountain slopes, and narrow valleys, with nothing to show for his time or effort. Mysteries, whether they are lost mines, treasures, or hidden creatures can take their toll on the unlucky who overstay their allotted time for pursuit of such. I never met René Dienden, and although I know a number of people who have, it saddens me that I never got the chance to shake his hand. His passing left a huge void in this field of endeavor. Bob Titmus, a key figure in Sasquatch-slash-Bigfoot investigation for almost 40 years, died at Chilliwack, British Columbia, on July 1, following a heart attack suffered a few days before at his home in Harrison Hot Springs. He was 78. Not widely known to the public because he never sought publicity, Bob contributed more solid evidence for the existence of the creature than any other individual, and had the most extensive collection of original footprint casts, most of them from tracks he found himself. He had a role in the public debut of Bigfoot in California in October, 1958. At that time he had a taxidermy shop near Reading, and he supplied his old friend Jerry Crew with the plaster of Paris and the instructions for using it that enabled Jerry to make his famous cast of one of the 16-inch prints that kept showing up on the dirt road where he was working above Bluff Creek in the northwest corner of the state. A few weeks later Bob and a friend, Ed Patrick, blew away the notion that Bigfoot was a freak individual, 
by finding and casting distinctly different 15-inch tracks on a sandbar beside Bluff Creek. Those tracks were not in soft dirt like those on the road, but in hard-packed wet sand, yet they averaged an inch in depth, making it impossible to dismiss them as being easy to fake. The casts Bob made then, and a year later on the same sandbar, are still possibly the best ever obtained anywhere. Bob was one of the men who brought Tom Slick into the investigation in 1959 and was the original field leader of the Pacific Northwest Expedition that Tom financed in California. Later, again with Tom's backing, he shifted his search to a new area on the central British Columbia coast in the early 60s. Bob's move to British Columbia proved to be permanent. He spent several years operating from a boat among the islands and inlets between Bella Coola and Prince Rupert, and found Sasquatch footprints on several beaches, one a fresh set coming out of the water and into the woods on a small island which the creature could only have reached by swimming through a storm-whipped sea. After Tom's death Bob continued the search until he ran out of money, then started a taxi business in Kitimat so that he could continue searching along the coastal streams and beaches on a part-time basis. The casts he made during the period were all lost when his boat was destroyed by fire, but in 1977, while he was clearing a homestead near Hazelton, he was notified that some boys had found tracks close to the Skeena River at Terrace, and was able to get two superb casts of 15-inch tracks there. When Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin claimed to have filmed a female Bigfoot at Bluff Creek in October, 1967 Bob came from Kitimat to the first public showing, in Vancouver, B.C., and then went on down to California, where he made casts of eight tracks at the film site. He was the first investigator to go there and what he found left him totally convinced that the movie was genuine. Most of his investigations continued to be in British Columbia, and he became a Canadian citizen, but he returned to Bluff Creek for several months in the fall on a number of occasions, and was successful in finding tracks there several more times, once getting casts of both knee and hand prints. A lifelong hunter, he was firmly in the camp of those who considered Sasquatch to be normal animals, and he hunted with a gun to collect one for study, but never had the opportunity to use it. Another disappointment concerned some brown hairs that he collected one by one from bushes and branches near Bluff Creek while following an apparent Sasquatch trail. Years late it became possible to identify the hairs by immunological reaction. They proved to be from a higher primate, the eminent scientist who did the tests limited the possibilities to human, gorilla or chimpanzee. Bob's achievements were recognized by the International Society of Cryptozoology, which made him an honorary member in 1987, the first person from the untied states to achieve that distinction. Because of a back injury sustained in 1962 during a storm on the B.C. coast, he lived with constant severe pain for more than 30 years, when other health problems limited his activities. His last trips to Bluff Creek were in 1994 and 1996, but by then he was unable to go far from his car. On his last search along the sandbars of Bluff Creek, in the late 1980s, he was again able to cast several tracks, but because it was getting dark he did not attempt to take them out at that time, and left them buried under a tree at the film site. He has never been back, so if anyone can find the right tree the casts may still be there. Okay, dear listener, that about wraps it up for now. My name is Jerry Matthews. You can reach me at yellowcoyote at talus.net. Thank you for your interest, and until the next time, keep searching. <laughs>